Left. Right. Yo, this is episode 105 of Sip Talk. Tonight we're talking about Bad Dirt, Demi Lovato, and uh, a bunch of other shit. You'll have to listen to learn, listen to find out. Let me know what you think, and uh, I will see you on the other side. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. Cheers. This is episode 105 of Sip Talk. Thank you for joining us. My name is Justin DeGiulio, joined by James the Bosnator Boswell. James the Bosnator Boswell out of South Carolina, accountant extraordinaire, philosopher, referee, and bartender. Fittingly bartender this evening, what are you drinking? I've got a barrel-aged sour from Edmunds Oast, and I've got the tried and true bush ice. Very nice. I told him not not close enough to the mic, but it looks like not close enough to any mics here. Uh, now we can't hear you at all. Now you can't hear me? Now we can. It's better now. It didn't Wonderful. work for a second. Wonderful. Very right. happy about that. Um, I usually go with the with lighter beers as it gets warmer outside, so I'm surprised. Sours are a light beer. It looks dark, but it's got a very light flavor to it. Um, let's start with how's the, the merger going? Oh, well, it looks like... Uh, hang on one second. Let me pour this drink. Um, what are you drinking, by the way? I'm going to be drinking some Pepsi and uh, scotch. Pepsi slows me down to scotch a little bit. Um, but we onboard our first, uh, first new agent under the new, under the new brokerage. So that's that we're waiting on a little transfer here, but, um, in the meantime, we're just kind of waiting, you know, we, uh, still filling out some paperwork over the next couple of weeks. We're starting to transfer the licenses. Um, but we're starting that today was the first one. And then once we get all the contacts lined up, um, it's just going to be one by one or small groups that go over. And uh, it's going to be cool. I'm very excited for it. Um, it's uh, it's nice to almost have a partner in business in the sense that I have a support team, support staff, and money to do things that I wouldn't necessarily have to save up months and months and or years and years to do um, if they're good ideas. And I'll have other people I got to run these ideas by, but I'm cool with that. Um, we also, uh, I don't know if I should talk about this on air or not, but I don't, I don't really think it matters. Um, Roshed, uh, myself and four other agents at the Julio group. We did a casting, uh, video, uh, for an, uh, TV show. I won't name the network. I won't talk about what the TV show is about, but managing to get six of us, uh, in one room individually doing these video calls was, was definitely tough, high stress point for my day as one person dipped minutes before she was up. Um, what kind of was it like an audition or were they interviewing you no uh so so basically there's a new business reality show they're casting for and you know we we were they actually started casting last year it looked like we were a front runner but then coronavirus happened they paused the show shows back on um so they're basically re-interviewing us 
things look good. But now we have, we have a whole new team that would basically be on the show. So um, if anybody hears word about this and there's some way they could they could help us out. But at this point, it's just kind of in the works. And I think it's really up to how that video video went. But I'll tell you, when people are on camera, they can act a little bit differently. They kind of freeze up. They change your personality a little bit. Do you notice that? Um, yeah, I, I guess I've been used to being in public settings before that I don't think that I really change, but I've seen it happen with people all the time. Well, now you're, now you're in a public, so I guess you don't really get to see the, uh, you don't get to see the, the viewers responding. So it's not quite as live. No, like when I referee, like when I've done pro games in front of three or 4,000 people Ooh, and, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I could. That's that's a lot of stress, and there's a lot of pressure on you in a referee setting. Um, the games that I've done in front of that many people, it's actually I like I like those games because there's enough people that you don't hear anything. It's just noise, and mm -hmm. it's an intense enough environment that all you're really doing is just focusing on what you need to be doing and getting the next call right. That. It, it's really just like tunnel vision and there's been some of the games that I've done where like the game flies by because I don't have time to think about anything else. Whereas if I do other games like lower level, like amateur games or whatever, there's some times where I'm just like, all right, how much longer do I have crap? But plus also you're saying you can hear more of the audience's interjections. And yeah, if you're doing like a high school game or a youth game or whatever, like it's a lot easier to hear individual things. Whereas like if you're doing a pro game or whatever, like you, you make a call that they don't like or whatever. Sure. Like you'll hear booze or whatever, but like anything individuals all you're losing, out. You're, you're losing the specifics there. Yeah. yeah which is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it, it definitely would allow you to focus um, a lot more. So uh, yeah, but I, we should, we should do some tips on public speaking. I, I've never, never been one to really enjoy public speaking. I think most people probably are not, but there's definitely some tips and just kind of being in front of people that uh, that can be difficult. It's, you know, I, sometimes I have to give every once in a while, I'll give a meeting in my office and there's a whole bunch of people that turn out and I'm just like, Oh shit. Like that's a, that's a kind of a heavy spotlight. And uh, especially when you're used to presenting to five or six people. And so I've always liked public speaking. Um, I, I you've always liked it. it. You've always yeah. Liked I, it? I took a class in it in college and uh, like the first day of class, they gave they gave us an assignment and it was like, pick like a one minute speech about anything. It can be literally anything you want. Just make it one minute. And mm -hmm. then on the next day of class, everyone had to go in and give that one minute of speech. And so I memorized it. I picked uh, I picked the last chapter of Fight Club. <laughs> there, there, there's like a two paragraph bit in that in that chapter. That's fantastic. So I memorized it and went up in front of the class did it sat back down and the teacher was like yeah you this was something that you're supposed to read you weren't supposed to memorize it and then afterwards a, a couple weeks later i i decided that the, the teacher was kind of crazy and i didn't want to take that class for a grade but i still wanted to have a captive audience <laughs> so so i kept the class and she's like i don't really know why you're even here like you don't need practice with this oh, that's wild i hate public speaking oh um, i love it you just have to be 
it, it's the whole confidence thing that we talked about. It, well, yeah, it is. And if you're good at it, if you're good at it, that helps. But like in, in elementary school, we used to have to memorize poetry and mm -hmm. present that to the class. I remember, I remember Paul Revere. It was like, that was the one that everyone revered was the Paul Revere poem, which is super long. And I just remember I got like, I don't know, five, six of the way through. It and I was like, I'm, it, I'm basically like home stretch here. And then I said a line and then I repeated the, like a line from three lines ago. And then I realized I caught up to what I just said. And then I was just like, fuck. And so then I just the rails. No, then I just styled it out and repeated the same fucking three or four lines. Um. <laughs> I sat down. So here's something that I thought about after we talked about confidence that I think um, is, is like boils it down to the core issue um, is the difference between being process oriented versus results oriented. If you're results oriented, it's very easy to lose confidence because at any point you're thinking, okay, I might, I might've screwed up here. I might not get what I want. If you're only focusing on the result, but if you're process oriented, and you're just thinking about what you're doing in the moment and trying to enjoy it, the results will more often than not come and you'll be, you'll come off as more confident because you're enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. But when it comes to confidence, you know, it's a real confidence breaker is where you get called for your shit or you screw something up. So we were talking about confidence, almost the perception of confidence. So people can perceive you as well, the confident. perception of confidence is confidence yes but when you're doing when you're actually engaging and you're not competent that's a real confidence killer for most people some people are just super competent fucking up all the time and that's that's kind of what they run by hi uh, silviana liliana de dios and <laughs> volunteer son says they're surprised that you don't like public speaking considering you do it voluntarily twice a week <laughs> i but no truly um i early days public speaking i remember you know growing also up, high five mile growing up in a in a catholic uh church and we would have to i don't know for what, our parents must have signed us up for this shit because we certainly didn't do it uh we'd have to read like uh excerpts from the bible and uh to the whole congregation and uh that was not fun i remember specifically some of some of that stuff and just standing in front of the church luckily not not quite a group of my peers mostly very old people probably didn't hear me but nonetheless i just remember the intense discomfort uh, and utter lack of confidence doing so uh, but i think you know you could go up and you could stand somewhere and you could look confident but when you start talking unless you really know your shit that's uh that's gonna fuck you up well I that's like when I, when I graduated college, I had to give a speech to like the entire philosophy department and like any of the philosophy majors that wanted to come because I, I got the, uh, the major field award and part of that was I had to give a speech. And so I, I put one together, but I spent probably an hour at least writing a page and a half long speech. And then I probably spent another like 30 or 45 minutes editing it and like putting in like the little tick marks where I was going to have like a break mm -hmm. to let people process what I said. And so I put a lot Very of preparation smart. into it and it, it went fine, but it would have been one where like, if I had to just go up in front of all these people, like every single one of the philosophy professors smarter than me. 
Yeah, well, so. but the, th the thing about the thing about and I noticed this because I've typed uh, at this point, I think our agent handbook is like 110 pages and it's different meetings that I've given, whether it's phone training or qualifying your clients or different meetings that I've put together. And those meetings are best done, not when I'm reading from the handbook that I've written, but when I outline the meeting on my little yellow pads and uh, or I'll, I'll type out an outline and what I'd like to do. And again, I, you and I probably speak differently when it comes to addressing people, but I have a very difficult time reading what I want to say. I want to know what I want to say and have a reminder on the page in front of me. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. And that's well, and having yeah. written having written the handbook, I can fill in most of the blanks with my brain because I I know what's there. But I just need that little outlined reminder. Well, it's the same thing with giving a speech is like, even if you've got a written speech that you ha haven't memorized that like you should write it in such a way that you're not just looking down and reading off the page. You can look down, look at a sentence and, and the sentences are almost written to be filled in by you in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And so uh, it's, it's setting, like a blueprint really setting yourself up for success really, really helps. Um, I'll let you hit that comment. And uh, volunteer son says, I believe the ability to love public speaking comes from how you're raised. We are ra we are a clown car of nutballs, so we all speak well publicly. <laughs> so yeah, I guess if like your parents force you to do it a lot, then like I, I think even though you hated having to do that in church or whatever, it still built a foundation where you weren't comfortable at the time. But it's one thing to be uncomfortable as a kid. But when you're an adult, you're like, yeah, I was a kid. I can get over this now. Well, that's the thing about living a sheltered life and, and having some adversity or difficult or you know, some difficulty or some challenges as a child. I do think it's in the child's best interest for their parents to put them in some uncomfortable and difficult situations and being forced to like being an speak. altar boy like being an altar boy that it, you, you try to you, trying to not look like you're falling asleep in church. Try, try not to look like you're That's falling not asleep. The joke I was making. When, well, fair enough, but try to not look like you're falling asleep when you're on the church stage, like you're part of the presentation of the show, um, like the wizard of Oz somewhere behind the curtain, except there's no curtain. Um, there's a so, video of me somewhere when I was about seven years old at a cousin's wedding and I'm just in the crowd and the, this is during the, uh, what is it? The, not the reception. What's the part of the ceremony? Mm -hmm. And there's a part where the, the priest or whoever's talking and the bride and groom are up there doing their thing. And then there's this little break where like everyone catches their breath and you could just hear out of the gallery. Boring. <laughs> You're a bad kid. That was you, wasn't it? Oh, it totally was. <laughs> That was the thing about church is it was it was so boring. Every, I mean, this is a Catholic church. Every hymn, which is Catholic for song, um, every hymn sounded like the funeral march to me. Were they and, in Latin? Uh, no, no, it was not. It was not a Latin church. Um, and this is going to sound really shitty, but... <laughs> Okay. Hey God. I'm just I I I haven't thought about this in a really long time. And it just hit me. So this is this is gonna sound shitty. But there was 
there was uh, one particular man in church and he was on the slower side. Um, I don't mean, I, I mean like more on the, maybe somewhat impaired side and in church, you have to speak out loud and then it gets very quiet and we wait for the priest to speak. But he always seemed to be one word behind everything that everybody was saying. And he wasn't quiet about it. Um, and I, I, I mean, <laughs> I wish I could think of a better example, but I can't I can't really think of any examples. But um, you basically the, the priest says something. Oh, man, I wish I was here with another Catholic. Uh, the priest says something and then and then you say and praise be to God. And then, of course, he would follow up a, half, a split second later. Praise be to God. Praise be to God, just solo throughout the church. And this happened for years of my life. And I used to just die trying to hold back laughing because it was this, it was basically this one guy shouting at the top of his lungs after everybody had finished speaking. And I just remember thinking, like, maybe somebody should, like, give him a, a head start on these. <laughs> but I'm just, I just remember trying to hold back cracking up in church. So it's really bad look. I apologize. I'm not picking on slow people. As it's a race. As one of them yourself, you really shouldn't. Well, I mean, true. Speaking of racing, I, been, I've been running lately. Slowest running times I've gotten in a, a long time. Um, <laughs> somebody begging me to stop. I know it was bad, but when you know, when you're 13 years old and you're witnessing this in church, it's very difficult to not laugh. That's just how 13 year olds act. And me thinking back on my 13 year old self, clearly I, I haven't matured. Could have been worse. Um, so look, a couple of things I want to talk about. I want to talk about bad dirt and, uh, I want to talk about renting tools because over the weekend I had some dirt delivered to my house. Um, a big, big pile of dirt. So my plan was all over Facebook, you can get like top special topsoil delivered, but that gets pretty costly, but I'm finding all this clean fill dirt for free delivery, except I can't get anybody to deliver over the weekend. So finally I got, and I'm not going to take a day off to have somebody dump dirt in my, in my yard for free. So I finally found this guy agrees to come on Saturday to guess like three hours late. I'm already pissed when he gets there. It's there. He dumps the dirt in the right place. Giant, giant. Uh, what do you, what do you, what do you call those trucks that basically haul dump shit? truck? Yeah. Giant dump truck full of dirt dumps the dirt. I, I, I went to grab uh, a, a 20 from uh, my desk and uh, yeah, I came out to hand him the 20 and the guy just took off. I was like, oh, all right. But, but he's just out of here. Um, so then I start. Now, what I have to do is the back of the house, the, the ground is basically graded towards the house. So when it rains, you get a little moisture along the when there's a lot of rain, you get a little moisture on the basement wall. So what I'm doing is I'm building up the dirt against the house, grading it away from the house. And this giant pile of dirt, a couple of shovels. And a wheelbarrow. So I start shoveling. I'm at it for like 45 minutes and I'm just looking back at the pile of dirt and I'm looking at the work that I'm doing. And I'm like, this shit is going to take me fucking seven months. I might as well be building the fucking pyramids in Egypt uh, or deconstructing them. Um, so a couple of things. One, this is some bad dirt. I didn't know you'd get bad dirt. It said, get clean, what you pay for. It said clean fill, but like there was just some giant ass rocks in there. And, uh, you know, now I realize I, I needed to have done a little more. I needed to be a little pickier with my source of dirt. So now I've got these giant rocks. There was like a pipe 
that was like a few feet long. Uh, and as I was grading this shit, like now I'm just pulling these foot foot long rocks out of this pile of dirt. But I went to Home Depot and I rented a big, uh, a big kind of not a I guess like a small bulldozer type. And uh, I'm against renting tools. Why? So one, if you're renting a tool, and and this doesn't go for everybody, but for the most part, if you're renting a tool, you're probably not very good at using it. Right? It's not like you're going to rent a screwdriver. You're going to rent something like a floor sander. um, And chances are some of these things require a bit of finesse. Like, for example, with floor sanding, if if you fuck up sanding your floor, you can really fuck up your floor and then you just have to read, you get to redo the whole floor. Um, but there's a, spe- there's a slight learning curve that you have that, that it takes. So that takes time away from you actually doing the job. Um, and, and then you're just not good at it. So you, the job is just not going to get done as if a professional did it. So it depends. I'm pushing dirt around. So to me, it didn't seem like a big deal, but, and here's the kicker that bothers me about the rental tools is that you have a time limit. So now you're trying to learn how to use this thing. You're trying to learn how to finesse it and you really got to take it slow, but everything is, is kind of pushing you inside to basically, uh, you know, go as fast as you can. Um, which was not a very good feeling. It took me about a half hour to figure out how to get the thing moving. And I downloaded the PDF operating manual <laughs> and I, and I read the operating manual inside the machine. Couldn't figure out that there's an emergency bar. Basically I got on, sat down in the seat, turned the key, looked good. I had it disconnected from the trailer, which by the way, I had came on a trailer. So I had to go to like pet boys or, or auto zone and get like the ball that goes in the back of the truck for the hitch. And, uh, then I had to buy a wrench because I didn't have a wrench big enough to put the thing on there either way. Well, this sounds like it's really poor planning on your part. It was poor planning. But either way, I go to rent the thing. It, you, I got to drive it out of there. Drive it out of there. Disconnect it. Get in. Turn the key. Push the go handles. Nothing happens. So now I'm like, fuck, what, you know, what do I got to do? I'm like, oh, well, maybe if I connect the seatbelt. So I connect the seatbelt thing. There's an electronic plug. Nothing. I spent another 25 minutes in this machine and there's uh, a bar that extends down on top of you and that engages whatever controls. Well, to me, it sounds like it's don't rent complicated tools that you don't understand how to use. It's like, I'm probably in, in some time in the future, I'm going to rent a rototiller. That's not a particularly complicated. How tool. much, how much is a rental going to cost you for a rototiller? Probably somewhere between 60 and 80 bucks. That's not too bad, but I'll bet you could find one for 50 bucks on uh, Craigslist that runs. And yeah, I don't know. People get rid of people get rid of that stuff all the time and you're not going to be pressed for time. And if you want to use it next springtime, you can. Yeah, I actually would rather spend slightly more money to not have it because I'm not going to need a rototiller <laughs> once. But you may need it next season. No, but, no, so no, here, no, no. So, but I'm going to need out. a rototiller here, once. Here, here I don't need out. it taking here, up space in my garage afterwards. Here's what happens. You use the machine and then you return it and then you realize that you would still like to be using it because whatever about the job you didn't do was perfectly done. So I, I graded the dirt down a little bit, but it still needs it still needs to be graded a, a little bit more. And of course I was riding over it the entire time with this, you know, ton and a half 
uh, machine. So I can't just rake out the dirt now. It's like compacted into the ground. So now I got to figure out some way to do this with like more shovels and just I don't rent know. a rototiller. <laughs> Dude, I'm so pissed about this, this fucking tool rental. Um, and, and I got it back literally with four minutes to spare, um, which I had to like reconnect it. I didn't even reconnect the thing. I just kind of like tied the, the chain was like connected and, and bound down on top of the thing. And it had been, uh, you know, latched back down on top of it super tight when I got it. I just kind of looped the chain around it a little bit and drove slow <laughs> because I was, I, I didn't want to get it back late. I, you know, as long as I got it back in one piece. Um, but yeah, four minutes to go. And I ended up with this bad dirt. So now I have all these boulders and pipes and shit that I got to get rid of. <laughs> um, all right. Um, you want to talk about fat shaming? <laughs> uh, no, not particularly. But I do want to brought it up prior to the cast. I do want to talk about Demi Lovato. Uh, and I don't I don't have I don't really know who she is, by the way. I don't really know who she is either. But I think I think she's a, an artist and she may have done some porn. I'm not I'm not really uh, I'm not really sure. And I, I guess she's really struggled with uh, with her weight. I could be wrong on the porn thing, but uh I guess she was on Barney Barney when she was a kid. Okay. So, so she had that going for her. Um, but here's here's what I heard. A couple of weeks ago, she was criticizing one of the ice cream chains because they had one of the frozen yogurt places because they had too many low calorie or low fat options on their menu. Which she was she was basically, you know, saying that they were catering to, you know, that they, they were encouraging people to lose weight and encouraging people not to be fat. Who, wait, I'm, I'm not following this. She was upset that somebody was, she was upset that a frozen yogurt place. And I, I could be, some of the elements of this could be off, but it's my understanding. She was criticizing like a frozen yogurt place because they had too many diet and, and low calorie and low fat options on their menu. Okay. That doesn't really make sense. It's people want to buy what they want to buy. Who cares? Yes, but she was criticizing them for making people feel bad when they eat yogurt. Frozen yogurt. Ice cream. Blondes have more fun, says she's a singer who has drug issues. Okay. (laughs) Clearly. Um, I think a lot of them do. And then I think recently she issued a statement that she was upset for people saying congratulations to people who have lost weight. Like, hey, nice work. You've lost some weight. Good for you. And well, then, that, no. Okay. Exactly. Why was she upset about it? What, what, what's, the, what's the problem there? Because we shouldn't be encouraging people to lose weight. We should be encouraging people to be happy with who they are. Well, no. <laughs> I think <laughs> but, but, if, but what? if someone but loses what? weight, that, like, chances are they worked hard to lose that weight through either sacrifices and diet or putting more work into exercise or a combination of the two, but losing weight is hard. Changing your lifestyle is hard. And so if someone loses weight, yeah, I think they should be congratulated. Well, they shouldn't have been pushed by society to, uh, uh, okay, here it is. TMZ, uh, pansexual pop star. I heard somebody reading this, this headline earlier. So maybe it said pop star, not porn star. Uh, I don't know. 
but she's popular enough that people are quoting her. Pansexual. Pop- it's always a career option. <laughs> I was a couple letters off. Pansexual pop star Demi Lovato says complimenting weight loss is harmful. And uh, I, th- I, th- I completely disagree with her. And if somebody's lost weight and they look good, I think you should tell them that. Like, I don't think that it's productive. It, this is a, a radical shift from prior held stances of mine, but it's probably not productive to harass people about their weight. But if you can encourage them to try and make positive changes in their life and then reinforce that encouragement with praise when they achieve it, that's how like that's positive on both ends. What's wrong with that? It's this movement that we've had lately where it where you're you're supposed to be fully accepting of anybody any way they want to be and if somebody is morbidly obese that's their choice and we should encourage them to be happy with being obese rather than want to change themselves and if somebody's a little overweight you should, and and they want to be in shape. You should convince them. No, you don't. You don't want to be in shape. You want to be happy with who you are. Yeah, I don't even know where to begin. Well, that's that's that, that you and I are probably on the, the same side of the line on this one. That being overweight is not particularly healthy. As uh, well, know, I, I look at this in two minds. Is like there's kind of a range where there there's kind of acceptable differences where if you're a little bit overweight, probably not a big deal. And, but like if you're morbidly obese or whatever, that's demonstrably unhealthy and saying that it's okay for people to be morbidly obese, I I think is harmful because there's a certain range and it's the same thing for people that are way underweight is there's a healthy range of weight. And if you're a little bit outside that healthy range, but not by much, then okay, fine. Be accepting. But if you're way outside that range, two but or three also, standard I, deviations, like we need to have a conversation say, Hey, this isn't healthy for you. And here's why. Well, I, I want to reel it in a little bit from, from being that far out. I want to reel it in to the person who is, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being overweight or underweight. It has to do with being healthy and it has to do with being happy. But if somebody is unhappy and they're overweight and they're unhappy because they're overweight, the solution, in my opinion, shouldn't be get happy. The solution, in my my opinion, should be let's build a world where we're helping enforce your goals. And obviously you have people with body dysmorphia and, and, and people with eating disorders. I'm not... That's what I'm trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to say, here are some healthy ways for you to get back in shape. Here are some healthy ways for you to, to achieve what your goals are. Now, if you want to give up those goals, fine. That kind, you know, it sucks that you, know, you, you want it to be like this and you gave up on it. I, I don't think we should be encouraging people to give up on that. And if somebody wants to be like, I'm, I've been in very good shape before. I've been, I've been you know, not a professional bodybuilder but i've been very large and muscular i've also been very lean and and uh, a runner and those were choices in those times that that was something i really wanted to pursue and i worked very hard to get there 
Now I'm at a point where I want to be in decently good shape, but I'm also accepting the fact that I want to be able to drink five or six days a week and eat whatever the hell I want to eat. So, you know, that's a choice that I've made. If at a certain point in my life, I become unhappy with it, like basically over the last year with coronavirus, then as you know, I haven't been drinking as much and I've been fucking hungry all the time and that's miserable, but that's just something you got to do to achieve your goals. Mm-hmm. You know, and if somebody's like, no, you just need to get happy, throw out all your clothes and go buy new clothes and just accept being fat. And I, I was like, I don't, I, I disagree with you. And, you know, that's, that's my perspective on it. And I, I'm sure... I'm sure some people will disagree with me and you're entitled to that opinion that it's not, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm not out there saying complimenting weight loss is harmful. And I also don't have the platform that somebody like that does. I think complimenting weight loss is actually helpful, right? Like somebody's achieving their goal. That's like somebody's getting good grades and you're like, Hey, nice work in school. Let me ask this question for you. Let's say you get married to somebody. And they're a certain weight. And after three years, they've gained 20 pounds, 50 pounds, 100 pounds. 20 and 50 pounds are are completely different. Uh, I'm throwing different numbers out there. And and I'll give you their different answers. Somebody's gained 20 pounds. um, Maybe their lifestyle has changed and probably it needs to be addressed. And it's probably something that can be corrected. It, and, and maybe they look good with 20 pounds. Maybe they don't look bad and maybe you don't mind. Um, if you mind a lot, then, you know, maybe you guys have some things that you need to work out because obviously you have differences. Someone is choosing to do something with their body. You don't own their body, but, uh, and it goes both ways. I'm not saying, that, you know, I think you and I talking about this is us assuming that the woman has gotten fat, but I, I'm sure there's a lot of women out there that start dating guys and, and, and the guys get out of shape. So I'm not assigning gender to this. Um, yeah, I just want to make that clear. It definitely deserves some acknowledgement, but I think you guys have, I think it should be a conversation. I want to know what chat has to think about this, but, but, uh, hold, hold on, uh, hold on a minute because the other issue is somebody that's putting on that much weight in that short amount of time. Usually there's some trauma that's happened or, you know, I have a friend who, over the last year and a half with his girlfriend, she probably put on about 40 pounds and she was incredibly destructive. She was destroying their relationship. She couldn't hold a job. Um, and she was burning friendships all, all the way around her. And, and that was the, the, the weight gain was just a symptom of the actual issue. And what I was saying is you, you have to realize that there's another issue that needs to be addressed and usually weight gain is a sign of of some of those issues 20 pounds i think is a lot also in a year even in two years because i mean basically you ha- you've replaced your entire wardrobe in the course of 24 months but uh you know it, that's a complicated that's a complicated issue what, what you're you're reading some of the comments i missed i'm sorry um no i want to i want to know what chat has to think about this like what do you do if you're if you're married to somebody and they gain 20 pounds in a year 50 pounds in a year who who who's chad chat oh the chat the chat the chat <laughs> um so yeah, yeah they I, exist do you remember this no not always this is I'm, a important sometimes, concept to you. I'm sometimes I'm, I'm really bad with that um uh, like is that a conversation that you have how do you have that conversation because you married somebody ostensibly you were attracted to them when you married them now they've changed to something that you might not be attracted to 
but you're well, married. Fair enough. But think think about the sex curve, uh, the sex frequency curve of people who start a relationship. Negative that's a, hyperbolic curve. Yeah, that's that's also that's also bending quite quickly uh, until it kind of goes flat. So, um, you know, the physical attraction thing is something that is going to is going to change throughout the. Relationship yeah, but if also. one partner is accelerating the descent. Um, there's a there's a good comment that said, uh, um, uh, I think it might it may be from Raj that most married people eat the same food, and that's so that's another thing about relationships. If you're dating somebody who doesn't have a re- regular steady diet, and then you guys start eating the same things, people have different metabolisms. But that's true. A lot of people in relationships end up eating the. They eat the same breakfast foods if they're living together and they eat dinner together probably most nights. Um, yeah, I still think that you probably were eating similar foods when you were dating before you got married. Something well, changed. Again, but you're, but you're talking about like marriage as a hard line. I'm just talking about relationships. So you, well, you're, yeah. you're, you're, what you're saying is once you signed a contract to be with this person and they've changed. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, not lo- I'm not looking at it. I'm not looking at it like that. Blonde um, says it could be blondes have more fun says it could be baby related, which is not easy to take off. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you're dating somebody and they get pregnant, then and like you're surprised that their body changes after the pregnancy. Well, that's you being stupid. But, but no, she, her, her next comment was, uh, should it change, though? You married them for better or worse. And that's what I'm getting at. What I'm saying. Well, and is that's that, what I'm saying is like, <laughs> but you know, it's worse for, is worse. But but. Well, the argument would be it's it's as worse as it gets. What I'm saying, though, is that weight gain, obviously, if you're pregnant, that's one thing. But um, weight gain is indicative. It's a symptom of oftentimes another issue. So if there's rapid weight gain without a baby, there's probably some depression or maybe somebody's medication has changed. But it's a symptom of of some other cause. Um, What was I going to mention? Um, Oh, we were talking about uh, we were talking about changing your wardrobe, and Rosh is like, "Don't you shouldn't throw away all your clothes." Um, so what I was, you know, what I was thinking about today is uh, the one outfit rule, and I struggle with this every summertime because uh, I wear basically the same exact pair of clothes every single day. So you should wash them. <laughs> well, one, I do wash them, but uh, it's. Uh, uh, and I have multiple, many, many pairs, the same, same clothes, basically. Um, but it's, it's nice to be able to just go and wear the, the same clothes over and over again. And I'm able to buy the same thing in the same size over and over again. So this got me well, thinking. It's nice when you wake up in the morning, you don't have to think, what am I going to wear today? It's well, You just grab it. But then when you start gaining weight, you're looking at throwing away not just, you know, one or two pairs of pants, but like 10 or 12 pairs of pants. So you know, or you got to get them all uh, reworked at the, uh, what do you call that? Um, the tailor. Taylor. Yeah. You got to get them reworked to the tailor. So, you know, that's, that's another reason why I think people should try to achieve kind of a lifetime weight, like a, a body place where they want to be. And if they, if they get a little out of shape then they got to suck it up and be miserable for a little while to get back in shape. Um, you know, or, uh, you know, if, I don't know, maybe people are dropping weight, which seems to be less common. They need to eat a little more, hit the, hit the weights a little bit more. I don't know. A lot of clothing companies are doing like these stretch fabrics. Now you see a lot more play. 
Dude, I uh, I used to buy these undershirts from Uniqlo. You know the Japanese store Uniqlo. Mm-hmm. I went to Japan and went to the store and I bought I don't know maybe probably like ten undershirts, thinking like oh I'm gonna get the real ones from the source. Same size. I didn't try on the undershirts. I just bought the same size. The Japanese undershirts were pro- and they're, and they're supposed to be kind of skin tight. They were probably four inches or so, like two inches off each side, more narrow. Well, yeah, uh, Japanese sizes are different than American sizes. Well, I didn't think about that. I just thought it was a big multinational, large corporation. Mm-mm. One size was one size. U.S. large, Japan, Japan large, totally different sizes. Well, and, yeah. and blondes, I think blondes is talking about the, the closet in my apartment. So, yeah, when I go to work, I wear the exact same thing every single day. Well, close. Like, I wear a pair of khakis. I've got a pair of beat-up loafers. And then I've got a whole bunch of dress shirts. And I just kind of, like blindly reach in grab one and put it on so like, yeah, i'm wearing well, a different color shirt every single day but it's the same outfit day in day out but but i think there's uh, you know uh, and most of the shirts are either white or blue i think that's that's a really good thing for people to do is and it's easier for men but i think i and i have yet to see a woman do it actually ever but i would really like to and i'm sure there's there may be one like high level ceo but um it's definitely not as common as it is in the men's world because fashion tends to be more important to women. Well, you but- know what? There's a great comment. Um, I saw a, a woman posted like male privilege is being able to wear the same outfit multiple times and no one gives you any crap. And then some dude responded and said, there's no straight guy in the world that's going to criticize you for wearing the same cute dress multiple times. The people that are going to criticize you are other women. <laughs> that's uh, that's a good point <laughs> um it's the but, same thing with slut shaming actually is like women are way worse about slut shaming other women than men ever are yes that is that is probably true um but look here here's the predicament was i was going to say i'm now you know wearing long sleeve french cuff shirts and and long pants is difficult when it's 90 degrees outside and you're walking around, you know, New Yorkers tend to walk a little bit more than people in other areas where you get, go from your air conditioned house, to your air conditioned car, to your air conditioned work. New Yorkers spend a lot more time walking around the city um, just to get, you know, to and from, I think from where I parked the motorcycle to my office is a half mile. So, you know, it, it, it can be a little bit of a hike. So I'm trying to get into what what i can wear pretty regularly throughout the summertime and running into issues because i'm trying to do like a nice regular polo with like some khaki shorts or something like that but i I haven't last year i went out (laughs) 2018 i went out and i bought 10 pairs of khaki shorts and uh you know a dozen at least white uh white shirts no i'm sorry khaki shorts and blue shirts and guess what happened? I'd be walking around. I'd sweat all day. My back would get sweaty on it. And then when the sweat would dry off, this is disgusting, but it's what happens. I'd have a ring of, uh, of like salt on the back of the shirt. So here's what you do. Is you have clothes that you wear inside the office and you have clothes that you wear when you're walking around New York City because New York City can get really hot in the summer. So you go in wearing like an athletic shirt and like, shorts like yeah but if i have to go out and meet with clients how many times am i changing my clothes throughout the day 
I don't know, but I would say like you get into the office, you change into your work clothes, you wear those, and then you change out of those to go home. But that, yeah, but that means you're you're sitting in the office all day wearing one particular piece of clothing. But if you got to run out for appointments or run out, you know, for a showing or something like that, it doesn't quite work. I think I, I really think the best answer would just be to have a backup T-shirt to change into. But it, but so the other issue was as you sweat, the sweat can you can see sweat in the khaki shorts, right? So the next year I went out and I bought all blue shorts and white shirts. And, uh, you know, that's what I did, but I, I wasn't, and, and I just wasn't crazy about that idea. You know, having this, this is why I felt like, I don't know, I didn't like wearing a white, a white shirt all summer long, black so shirt, but then you had the sweat ring issue. Um, sweat yeah. colored shirt. <laughs> oh man. It's, uh, it's really, really tough, you know, really tough, uh, being a man having to choose your own wardrobe. Um, it's really not. I think I've really simplified it as much as possible. But now I have like a gazillion um, polo shirts that I'm, you know, I just get upset every time I see them. But I'm about to I'm about to start to change the wardrobe for the summertime. It's been getting warm. And that is the issue that I've been running into. Um, what else is going on down there in South Carolina? How's the how's the accounting season? That's over with. It's coming down. Um our firm is about a month behind. We generally want to be about one week out. So like if you drop off a return, we don't want the delay to be any more than about one week until somebody picks up the return and starts working on it. Right now we're closing, closing in on being a little bit ahead of one month. So like today I pulled a return from like four twenty nine is when it came in the door. Um, and it's five twenty five. So you're, you're a little less than. <clears throat> and it's we're starting to transition away from tax, but we still we're, we're, we we've got a lot of backlog, and like now I'm I'm already starting to transition more towards handling tax notices and audit work. Um, I spent a good portion of my day today building up a fact pattern to send to our tax attorney so that he could review some work that I did before we sent in the form to the IRS, um, and then. I've got one client that is doing something on his tax return that's like 100% legal. And I know exactly what the number should be, but I don't know how to put them on the tax return. Mm -hmm. It's one of these ones where we've never done it before. And it's not like we can just like look online for like a template of what to copy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like I had to reach out to uh, a national accounting firm be like can you guys show me how to do this how because does that work how does that work Just our reach firm out to a different company and say hey <laughs> our, our firm you... is part of uh so most people have heard of like some of the big four accounting firms like kpmg um ernst and young uh price waterhouse cooper deloitte those are the companies that do like 95 to 98 percent of all the audits of like the publicly traded companies okay um, and the, each one of those firms employs tens of thousands of people. They're huge. Um, BDO is probably the fifth biggest in the country. Mm -hmm. And we, our firm is a member of what's called their Alliance. So basically our firm pays, um, like a subscription every year to BDO. And as part of that, 
we have access to a whole bunch of their tools. So we get to look at like some of their internal documents of like their, their process for conducting an audit, their process for doing a tax return. Um, and one of the things that we get as part of our subscription is we can send questions to like their audit desk or their tax desk. Mm -hmm. So like a couple of years ago, we had a client who inherited property in the Philippines. Our, mm -hmm. our, our firm doesn't know Philippine tax law, <laughs> but yeah. BDO is a global firm. So they have a branch in the Philippines. So, so we, we sent a, a, a note and said, Hey, we got this client that inherited this property and like, Oh yeah, here's how you handle it. So it's nice to be able to have that kind of research tool available. And so that's what I did is like, how do I do mark to market accounting? for a tax return. Well, see, and that's, and that's what we were talking about earlier. I don't want to get into it because it's probably still a bit premature, but when it comes to the moves that my company is making, it's nice to have partnership with larger places because there's certain things that it's nice to be able to look up to rather than look to Google to, or to go to the library to figure out. So I, I definitely like that. Um, um, so, you know what, on the topic of the merger, um, so is your company bought out as a partnership? Like, how does probably not something we should be talking about on, uh, on air. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it's still a bit premature on a lot of that stuff. So we can't really get into it. Um, but I want to do a quick shout out to the people on TikTok. I can see you guys on TikTok. Thank you for watching. I see uh, some regulars on there right now. I've been really lousy with the TikToks lately. So I got to, Got to get back into the, the regular jam of being on TikTok every day. Um, but I've noticed that our, uh, our Sip Talk Pod Instagram page has been growing. There's been some funny memes on there. So if you guys are watching, you don't already follow the Sip Talk Pod. Uh, it's, called, it's just called at Sip Talk Pod on Instagram. So good memes in the stories. Uh, definitely some entertaining stuff to make you chuckle throughout the day. And uh, Rosh says all five Instagram followers are here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but it, it's, it's, it's growing. And, uh, you know, I, I see people's messages on there. So, so that is nice. Um, um, go ahead. And oh, look, I was going to change gears and just like throw out a, a random joke that I came up with earlier today. That I think is pretty wonderful. Funny. Yeah. Throw it, uh, throw it at me. Yeah. For my birthday, my parents got me an off brand thesaurus. And not only was it a bad gift, it was bad. <laughs> it's not that's not a very good joke i'm sorry <laughs> um all right what what did i miss in the in the news what's going on in the news because really uh um i have not been following much on the news lately i've been i've been so busy uh doing work at this house and shoveling dirt what's uh what's going on for as much as I read the news, I couldn't tell you about anything. Uh, Belarus inter intercepted an airplane and forced it to land. Oh, oh, um, it was a Ryanair airplane. Yes. What the hell was that about? It was a flight from somewhere to somewhere else, not Belarus, but was flying over Belarusian airspace. And yeah. on the plane was a journalist that had been critical of the Belarusian government. And so a fighter jet intercepted the airplane forced the airplane to land in belarus and as soon as it did they arrested the guy off the plane so it was a journalist that was that had written something bad about the country who wasn't in the country no he was flying from some country not belarus 
to another country, not Belarus. While the plane's over Belarus, fighter jet intercepts it, makes it come down and land in Belarus so that they can arrest him. I'd love to know the altitude that that plane was flying at at that moment. So 39,000 feet. Are you sure on that or you're just guessing because that's kind of average? Relatively sure on that. Now, fighter jets can make it all up to like 65 or 70,000 feet. So Sure, but I'm just curious where they perceive their jurisdiction to go, obviously, to outer well, space. But... Airspace, yeah. Because whenever you fly over a country, and this is much of, not really an issue in the United States, but in Europe, you have to buy rights to the airspace of every country that you fly over. I did not know that. Yeah, so it's it comes it depends on the country but it's about $500 per flight per country and for a long time um Ru- you couldn't fly over russia russia would just say yeah no one's flying over here so like russian airspace since one it takes up a large portion of yeah. the globe and yeah. also a lot of flights from like the united states to europe want to go over russia because of the north pole it's quicker yeah and so like when Russian airspace opened up, that was a big deal um, because it, it changed the way that planes could route their flights. But right now, like um, a lot of airlines are refusing to fly over Belarus right now. They won't fly over Ukraine after MH370 got shot down by like Russian separatists. And then nobody wants to fly over Iran right now because they shot down a civilian aircraft like two years ago. So there's a whole bunch of countries right now that airplanes will not fly over. That's so, you know, remember our episode where we talked about like, is the world getting better or worse? Like, I don't think, you know, I think Uh, the question, will they open fire on the plane if it doesn't comply? Um, That's a great question that if you're the pilot of the airplane, you don't want to find the answer out to. (laughs) Because ultimately the only person on the airplane that matters is the person behind the controls. And if you're behind the controls and you're not getting arrested, then you're going to land the plane. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, because the other option is you probably are going to die. Right. So fuck it's, that, it's just man. like the, uh, a phrase I heard the other day about like um, lawyers and clients is like an old saying among lawyers is if anyone's going to go to jail, make sure it's your client. <laughs> it's so fucked up. <laughs> oh man um all right on that note i'm uh i'm gonna wrap because we covered all the stuff i wanted to cover tonight and uh and now we're talking about lawyers um all right guys so uh thank you for getting this far into the podcast for joining us live you can catch us on youtube to watch the full version the edited version Uh, And you can also listen to us on audio podcasts. And we are really trying hard to grow as a podcast as much as we enjoy hanging out with each other. You guys help give us a reason and you really feed us topics that we can talk about. So we appreciate that. Please go to some audio podcasts, subscribe. We will owe you big time. And if you work for my company, um, I would, uh, you know, we'll talk about this tomorrow, but we're going to check and make sure you follow because it's a nice thing to do. And I'll follow you back. Um, James, anything you want to add before we, uh, before we leave any desperate pleas for, uh, for followership here? No, just don't fly to Belarus. Otherwise we won't have you as a follower for very long. <laughs> and don't be critical of Belarus. Holy shit. Uh, all right. No, just be critical. Oh, critical is all you want. Just don't fly there afterwards. 
<laughs> or over there. Yeah. All right. I will uh, I'll talk to you later. Adios. Right. Later, guys. All right. That concludes this episode. Thank you for watching. Thank you for sticking with us. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Uh, as some of you do, I really uh, do appreciate that. And I'll see you guys next time. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.